This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hallelujah. Come on, can we lift our voices and give our Lord Jesus all the praise? Come on, let's give Him glory. We worship you, Holy King. We praise your name. There is none like you. Amen. We serve an awesome Father. We serve an awesome Savior. And the Holy Spirit is right here with us. Amen. Well, good morning, family. Everybody well and blessed? Full of the Lord? Has God been good to you this week? Can we show some joy? Can we give Him thanks? Hallelujah. It's always so good to be back home. This is my home. This is where I was born again. And I want to just again thank God for our pastors, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. And I know you all love them. We love them dearly. And, but sometimes we can get so close, we, don't, we lose sight of who we have. And I just want to once again stir it up, even though you know it, is we know that we give Jesus all the glory. He is the Word. He paid the price for our salvation. Without His Word, we would be nothing. But that Word had to come through the mouth of a man. And I thank God that God sent Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev into my life and Janine. I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for that. And Dad and Mom, I don't know if you're watching this, but just let you know, we appreciate you so much. We see the commitment. We see what you give for this to happen. And there's many, many sacrifices that you made. Jesus made the supreme sacrifice, but the price you paid so that we can enjoy hearing the word at this level. Family of God, let's give Jesus praise and honor for the gift that he's placed in our lives. We love and thank God so much for you. Amen. You ready for the word this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious grace that you've poured out in abundance. We receive the gift of your righteousness. And as such, we reign in this life. You've given us authority over the enemy. You've placed your very word within us that we may have faith. You've given us your Holy Spirit that we may experience your power. You reveal to us the things to come. You remind us of what we've been taught. You guide us into truth. This is all from your word. And so, Father, I don't take this lightly. I thank you for the privilege of being a voice to your word today. And I submit myself under your mighty hand that by your grace, I shall speak this word with clarity and accuracy. And as your word goes forth, you'd ignite it with your presence, take it deep into the heart of every hearer, causing faith to rise and dispelling every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. I believe each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, shout amen. Praise God as you see that open your Bible in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Let me see how many of you have got friends or family that you are praying for that you want to see saved. Can I see your hand? I think every single hand went up here. I remember when I first got saved. I, for a long time, rejected the concept of Christianity. I had gone through a horrible experience as a, as a young man and got very despondent with the Christian world, so to speak. 
And whenever anybody tried to invite me to church, I'd get very aggressive about it, very angry. And I would be very argumentative. But I thank God that he never gave up on me. I said, I thank God he never gave up on me. How many of you know that you can invite people to church and they can say no? And we can actually get to a point where we stop inviting because, you know, we just assume they're going to say no. And I heard somebody once tell me there's a saying out there that says, no, you've already got, yes, you can only gain. So if I don't ask you, I'm going to get no. If I ask you, I get no. I get no whether I ask you or not. But if I ask you one more time, I may get a yes. And I thank God there was somebody who asked me one more time to come to church. Because it was in that moment that I had an encounter with God. And we exist here so that we can continuously be an environment where we can bring friends and family to get saved. You know, very often we wonder, how do we lead people to Jesus? How do I, you know, I don't know the word as well as I should know it. And if they start asking questions, I might not be able to answer them. and, And I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. Well, the key is just get them into this building. You get them, yeah, we'll get the job done. Because God wants that none should perish. And so corporately as a household, we are part of leading people to Jesus. Even though one-on-one, we're still talking to people about the gospel. But the reason it happened the way it happens, the reason I got saved is because I came into a building and was Christian Family Church, and I heard the gospel in a way I'd never heard it before. That building was in place so that I could come here. I had a chair to sit on. I had a sound system to listen to, all the things that I didn't even think about, but so that I could hear that word preached that changed my life forever. And I want to be a part of making sure that happens in someone else's life. How many you say amen? See, here's the key. I didn't get saved just so that I can go to heaven. I thank God. That, that, is, that is the key. I mean, talk about eternity in hell. No thank you. I am thank God I was delivered out of hell into heaven. How many you say amen? How many you glad your eternity is secure? But if it was only about getting you to heaven, it would stand to reason if that was God's only priority, it would be that every time we have an altar call, we just stand back because those people are being evacuated raptured because then they don't have time to go back in the world and backslide are you with me if the only reason was to get you to heaven the best plan would be is that the moment a person saved is get them into heaven no we left on the earth for a reason we have a mission here you and i now that we saved i know when i first saved i needed deliverance in healing i needed deliverance in my finances my marriage needed help all these things were necessary But thank God I got to a place where I realized I have every blessing that God could ever bless me with. I'm totally healthy and well. I'm I'm provided for. I'm looked after. Our family is whole and complete. So is it done? That means that now I can just move on with my life. No, there's a dying world out there that still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? amen? Lift your hand and say the only reason I'm still on this planet is so that I can be a part of expanding my Father's kingdom. That's my priority. That's my first priority. Everything else that happens in my life is so that that can happen. 
It's all tools, it's all facilities, it's all setting up around me. I want to see the kingdom of God continuously growing. As long as there's one unsaved person, our job is not yet done. Amen. Yeah, we see in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. How many recognize that this man is not a Jew? He's, he's a Gentile. And he is in a place where, I mean, he does, hasn't been brought up in a religious environment. He hasn't, he's not allowed to go to synagogue. He's, but he loves God, as you keep reading. It says you're a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. And he gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, giving alms, A-L-M-S, that is, those are gifts. He's giving gifts generously. Everybody say generously. And then about the ninth hour of the day, he saw a clear vision in, and of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms, your giving, have come up for a memorial before God. Everybody say memorial. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Notice, it has been given to men the privilege of leading people to Jesus. That angel could have led Cornelius right there to Jesus. But it's not the job of angels. It is the responsibility of men to preach the gospel. But you notice, Cornelius didn't go to church. He loved God. He knew there was a God. He wanted to know this God because he was praying to Him. But God needed him in a place of salvation. He needed to know about Jesus, but he wasn't just going to find it out randomly. He says, there is someone here in this town who's equipped to give you that gospel. And so I'm going to send you to him, and he will tell you how to get saved. And this is the first Gentile that gives their life to Jesus. Hallelujah. But you notice what triggered it. The angel says, your prayers and your giving has come up as a memorial. Well, prayers, we understand. I mean, you know, if you pray, God says, if you call on me, I will answer. God hears your prayer. And that's part of faith, is believing God has heard. Because if I believe He's heard, then I believe He's answered. And so you understand when you speak prayers in the name of Jesus, they come up before God. He hears every single prayer that you've ever prayed. Say hallelujah. But what is giving? How come that comes up as a memorial? It's very interesting that he said that, that it's your giving, your generous giving, and your prayers are a memorial. What is a memorial? A memorial is something that we on the earth in the natural, is if there's a major event or something happens, we build something, a a building or a statue or some kind of, you know, structure. And the purpose for it is that whenever you see it, you remember. It's a memorial, memory 
activator. That's why, if you remember, uh, every now and then it's happened, particularly there was a phase where it was a, where people were wanting to tear down statues. Remember that? Statues must come down. Now, this is not, I'm not going to get into the political of it, whether you agree with that or not, and which statue is right or wrong. That, I'm not even going to discuss that. But why is it that somebody so desperately wants that statue to come down? It's because in that, their environment, in their upbringing, in their people group or whatever, every time they see it, it evokes pain. It reminds them of pain. Uh, otherwise, it's just a building. I mean, you might say, well, it's just a statue. No, it's, it's, it's so painful to see it that it needs to be removed because I don't want to see that every day. Well, that's on the negative side. There's also the positive side. There are some things we should never forget that will help us be positive in the future. There are some things that if that ever happens again, it's going to destroy us. So let's remind ourselves and we build a memorial to say, this is what happened. Don't forget it. It's, it's a daily reminder every time you see it. And yeah, this man was giving generously and praying. And the angel said, this has been in front of God. When God, you can imagine God. It, I mean, God never sleeps nor slumbers. So it's not like he wakes up every morning. But if you could imagine that, every day as God looks up, he sees this giving. He sees these prayers. He hears all our prayers. But this man has done something in a way that every time God looks at it, he sees it. And because this was hanging in front of God's face every single day, God eventually said, I'm not going on any further. It is time. My son died for the salvation of all mankind. And here is a man who believes me in such a powerful way. I need to get him saved. And I can't wait for him to bump into someone. I'm going to send an angel to take him to that person. God was evoked every day by this memorial. Everybody say memorial. Family, there's something powerful about giving that evokes the heart of God. Hallelujah. Have a look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. Now, when you say preached, you understand that someone's speaking. And yeah, saying the Scripture. Now, when we think of Scripture, we think of the written letters in our Bible. But how do you understand that when we talk about Scripture, foreseeing, spoke, who are we talking about? Well, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We talk about when we hold the book called Bible in our hands, we say this is the Word of God, but technically it's not. The Word of God is a person. That Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And today we know Him as Jesus, but He's already always existed as the Word. Then when that Word was spoken, it was recorded by man. So what you have in your lap is a recording of the Word of God. The Word of God is a person. Are you hearing me? So when you read the Scriptures out loud, you're not just reading something that was written by somebody. You are literally reading God. 
It is God speaking. When you say scripture, you may hear my voice. When I read these scriptures, you're hearing my vocal organs, but that's only my vocal organs in your ear that you recognize. You are hearing God speaking. God is that scripture. And this scripture, God himself foreseeing that, that he would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Everybody say gospel. Now, I don't have time to teach on the whole aspect of the word gospel. Very often we hear words and we can define those words differently. If I said dog, I can guarantee you there's about 50 different dogs in people's minds right now. So when I say gospel, what do you hear? What is the gospel? And I'm sure every definition would be accurate. If we compiled it, we'd have a page full and it would all be the gospel. But in this context, he preached the gospel. What did he preach to Abraham? Well, it tells us. He said he preached the gospel saying. Say this, I'm about to hear the gospel. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. Paul says that's the gospel. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. Now, I don't want to oversimplify it because that's not only the gospel. It cost the blood of Jesus, his death and resurrection, that he died for all mankind. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, we say, that's all. You understand? What I'm talking about right now is God activated something here, and we see here that Paul says this is the gospel that he spoke to Abraham. Well, let's go read when he said this to Abraham. That's in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is the gospel being preached. God shows up to Abraham, and when he shows up to Abraham, remember this time, Abraham technically uh, wasn't serving God. I mean, he had a family, came from a family that were sun and moon worshippers, and, uh, you know, he was just going about his own business. It wasn't like he was looking out for someone to bless him. He was just, you know, Abraham living his life. But God needed this gospel preached in a way and why did God specifically show up to Abraham? It's a very good question. Why Abraham out of all people? When you do a complete study, you will find out that God says, the reason I chose Abraham is because he teaches his children well. That's interesting. Why would God choose someone that teaches his children well? Because we're going to find out now that God's not just interested in getting you saved, he's interested in your entire family. God is a generational God. He's known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're not just talking about the next generation, we're talking about that generation being taught so well that they can take it through to the next generation. We are talking about thousands of years that need to transpire. God needs to bring Christ into the earth, but He needs to do it through a bloodline, but God knows how the enemy works to try and shut that bloodline down, but He needs somebody that can speak in such a way that this can be passed generation to generation to generation and keep going with out of being snuffed out, so by the time Christ comes, he can fulfill what God needs to do so that the gospel can be preached. So he approaches this man, Abraham, says, I've chosen you, and then he says to him, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great religion. 
You're going to let me misread the Bible? Is that what he said? He said, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Listen to this now. I will bless you. And that's usually where a lot of people go, hallelujah. Now, hang on, hang on. You shall be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Say that I'm blessed to be a blessing. And now notice what God says. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. What's he saying? Those that get involved with what I'm doing, I will elevate. Those that get in the way, I will stop. This is going forward whether you like it or not. This is going to happen. I'm calling you to be that blessing, but I'm going to get others around you to carry that. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody say generations. So Abraham goes out, and he's now blessed, and he knows this, and he went and he carried on living his life. Well, as you know, his, his nephew Lot was captured, and Abraham went in and rescued him. And when he came back, he recovered a lot of goods from that war. And then in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Genesis 12, verse 1, uh, I'm sorry, beg your pardon, Genesis 14, Genesis 14, verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the God Most High. And God blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Isn't that interesting? We sometimes, you know, people discuss whether tithing is part of the the new covenant isn't tithing Old Testament law, uh, isn't the tithe under the curse, and all these different statements that people have. But notice, Abraham is not a religion. He's not serving God out of religion. He's a nation. And not only that, he comes to Melchizedek, his priest, and you understand when he approaches Melchizedek, God's already blessed him. He said, I'm blessing you. Now, whoever gets involved with you will also be blessed. So, Abraham's already blessed. Say, Abraham's already blessed. And you can see that because when Melchizedek first addresses him, he says, blessed be Abraham. So, it wasn't like he now has to tithe to stop the curse. He's already blessed. Say this, Abraham's already blessed. So, why would he respond with the tithe? Well, if you keep studying it out, again, we don't have time to get into the detail of it, but you'll notice that that one king comes to him and says, all right, you can keep all the goods, give me the people. Isn't that interesting? The devil really doesn't care whether you have things or not, but he'll make Christians think it's all about the money. The devil wants the people. Oh, you've got to get a hold of this. Why? Because money doesn't carry the gospel. People carry the gospel. You can take everything from me, strip me of my house, my family. You can, I could be the last man standing, 
and you can even take my physical Bible away from me, but you cannot silence my testimony. You cannot silence the word that's in my mouth. And the enemy wants the people. And Abraham says, when he says, you can keep all the goods, it's not about the stuff. Abraham says, no, in that case, you keep everything because no man will have a hold over me saying he made Abraham rich. See, Abraham wasn't after the rich. He wanted to honor God. That tithe wasn't about getting rich. It was saying, I am so blessed. I am honoring God with a tenth of everything I got. Now, why would the enemy want to silence the tithe in the church today? Because he recognizes as long as he can get the distorted, we get the wrong impression of it, then he can rob God of the honor. Can you see that? It is honoring God. Everybody say generations. I don't want us to lose sight of that. Why? Because if you keep reading, you will notice in Genesis chapter 26, now, there was a famine in the land. How many recognize that South Africa is in a serious famine, be it economically, politically, whatever, you name it. How many recognize we need major deliverance in this nation? And there's this famine. And then Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar, and the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. Now, remember, Egypt is a type of the world. Don't look to the world system for your answer but dwell in the land that I tell you. Stay here, and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants. Everybody say generational. I give these lands, now listen to this, I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Now we have Abraham and Isaac. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I'll gift your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So what did Isaac do? He dwelt in Gerar. He stayed right there in the middle of that famine. You would think, well, now I just have to wait for God to bless me. Now notice verse, 20, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. What man in his right mind puts seed in the ground when they know there's a famine? The reason there's a famine is there's no water. There's no rain. Crops are not growing. That's why there's no food. But this man sows in that land. Why? Because he had just heard God remind him of the blessing. If I am blessed, I don't care where I am, I can sow because where I am, that is the kingdom of God. Next door may be in famine, but not here. Come on, you might as well give Jesus praise. Family, you are blessed. Doesn't matter what's happening in the nation. Where you standing is blessed. And notice he sowed in that land, and in the same year he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Hallelujah. See, that blessing is in action. Now, of course, long story short, again, Isaac had a son named Jacob. Remember that? And as Jacob had stolen the, the blessing, the first son blessing from his brother, he ran in fear. 
And in running, he then has an encounter with God. And here we see in Genesis chapter 30, uh, Genesis chapter 28, Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, that I come back to my father's house in peace. The Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. Everybody say God's house. And listen to this astounding statement. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Of all that you give me. See, sometimes people argue that the tithe is just grain and fruit and, you know, produce. But yeah, we see that's not the case. This is before the law. And Jacob says, of all that you give me, whatever you give me, God, whatever I receive, I will always give one-tenth to you. Now, where do you think he came up with that idea? Did he just randomly think that? Remember, God chose Abraham because he would teach his children. So Abraham taught Isaac. I know Isaac's blessed. You don't even have to tell me he's a tither. Just look at his lifestyle. Are you with me? But I know he's a tither because he taught Jacob. So now you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob recognizes he's on the run. He's in trouble. He might have missed it somewhere. But now he says, God, I've messed up big time. But I need you. And as long as you're with me, wherever I go, as you bless me, everything I get, I'm going to do what my grandfather did. I'm going to honor you with a tithe. Everybody say generational blessing. Well, did that happen? Well, you remember Jacob landed up working for Laban over 14 years, you know, for first of all he had Leah, but he actually wanted Rachel, and then he kept working, and you know the whole account. But now, by the time... Genesis 30 verse 27 happens. Laban says to him, please stay if I found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience the Lord's blessed me for your sake. <laughs> Just by you living in my house, I'm blessed. Well, how does it work? Well, didn't God say to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you? You just have to be, if, if there is a valley that's in drought, and there's a whole bunch of farms next to each other, and one of those farms is a righteous man, and that righteous man stands up and says, God, I'm asking you for rain. Does God just rain a tube onto his farm, or does the whole valley get wet? You see, you just hang around me, you'll be blessed. You, you just got to be close to you. Amen. If you're walking in the blessing, when you walk into your office, that office is blessed. When you walk into your company, that company is blessed. When you walk into your household, that household's blessed. Say amen. Then Genesis 30 verse 30, what you had before I came was little. This is Jacob. And it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now... When shall I also provide for my own house? Look at verse 43 in chapter 30. 
Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and servants, and camels and donkeys. Did the Lord answer his prayer? He had all the provision he needs. And so when we come to Malachi chapter 3, let's go there. We understand that, yes, that has been spoken under the law concept. The law was introduced into, the law of tithing was introduced into the law, not because it had to be part of the law. It's because tithing was already a principle. But the law is there as a tutor. I don't have time to teach all of that. What I'm focusing on here is the principle of the tithe. What does happen when we tithe? Because a lot of people misunderstand it, thinking the tithe is about stopping the curse and being blessed. And how do you know that you born again, by being born again, you are already blessed? Galatians 3 says, Christ became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse, so that the blessing of Abraham, Genesis 12, may come upon us also as Gentiles. Hallelujah. And look at verse 8. God says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. He's not saying, I'm cursing you. You're cursed with a curse for you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Now, how do you remedy this? Bring all the tithes where? Into the storehouse. Where's that? That there may be food in my house. Everybody say the house of God. And when you do that, try me now, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will be not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. Family, I want you to notice, God says, bring the tithe. He didn't say, so that I can stop the curse. He said, so that there's food in my house. What is the food today? The Bible says, when Jesus was tempted to turn the stone into bread, He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The food in God's house is this word that you're hearing right now, you are receiving word. How is it possible for you to sit in a building of this size with all this facility, the electricity, the lights, the technical stuff, or the platform, the sound, sitting in a nice comfortable chair? How did this happen? Somebody gave in the past. If this is your first Sunday here, you didn't pay anything for any of this. Are you with me? When I first arrived, the building was here, but I could hear the gospel. I wasn't thinking the sound system's off, that's a weird color. I heard the gospel, and when I heard the gospel, I got saved. And then I had the privilege of discovering, now I can be a part of making sure that this facility and more churches can be planted, more Bible colleges can be established. Whenever I'm giving, I'm not giving to pay the bills. I'm not giving so that, you know, I can do whatever the reason is. I need to be blessed. I need to get rich. I'm already blessed. I'm already provided for. But everything that God has given me, I honor Him with that. And in honoring Him, the gospel can be preached. And so today, someone's going to get saved. Why? Because I gave in the past. 
Come on, give Jesus praise. Now, I want to be part and make sure that that keeps happening. And here's what happens when I use that tent to honor God. It is His. As I do that, God says, if you do that, remember, I will curse those who curse you. Let the devil try and stop you. When he finds out you're generous, he's going to try and shut down your income. I will stop him. As long as you keep tithing, I will make sure your source of income never runs dry. I will look after those who make sure the gospel can be preached through generosity. You may never get up on this platform, but when you give, you empower the platform to speak. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. Hallelujah. So today, we're going to do that. We're committing to that. Amen. I know many of you here today are already tithing willingly. Sometimes some of us may be thinking about it. Sometimes we've heard things on YouTube or whatever. I don't know if I should be doing that or not. Family, generosity begins not in how much I give to people. It's in making sure the gospel can be preached. Remember that when, when Cornelius, his giving came up as a memorial. Every time you give for the gospel to be preached, you send a memorial into heaven. That's different to any other giving. Hallelujah. And I want to be a part of that. How many you say amen? If you come and have a look at Luke chapter 5, this is now Jesus. He saw the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. And they'd gone from them. And he got into the one and he pushed out from the land. And he, when he spoke, he preached the gospel. And then verse 4, he launched, said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let out your nets for a catch. And you know the account. He said, we've done that all night. But when he did that, when he obeyed, a great number of fish came into his boat. I want you to get something here. Jesus had a message to preach, but he didn't have a platform. Peter had a platform. The boat, a business, but he didn't have the gospel. But when they came together and Jesus said, can I use your boat? Effectively, Peter was part of that message that day. Jesus was the one speaking, but Peter enabled it. And Jesus, knowing the gospel given to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you. Peter, you've blessed me today. There's a blessing here for you. What's your job? Catching fish. Okay, throw out your nets and watch what happens. And look what happened. God blessed him with an overflow and abundance. Family of God, you may never stand with the pastor, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But if you take the word of God and you tithe and you give into that, you're going to see the blessing flow in your life. And have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 6, it says, I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make how much? All grace abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. It is written. He's dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. This is the generous person. Verse 10. God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Will supply and multiply the seed you've sown. Now listen to this. 
increasing the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything. For what reason? What does that mean? Generosity. How many of you want to be generous? I'm not asking if you are. I'm saying how you want to be. <laughs> we all want to be generous, but we may not have the facility for it. I'd like to give more, but I may not have it available. But notice God says when you get involved with His kingdom in sowing and reaping, He will enrich you not to have a big house and a big car. Those can come. That, that's just fruit. But He enriches you so that we can be generous. And as we generous and we give again, someone else gets to be saved. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus praise if you've got a hold of this. Christians, begin to pray. Let's all begin to intercede. We want an atmosphere of faith. I want to speak to us all today and make sure that we are all in a right relationship with Jesus. I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? I'm not asking if you know about Jesus. I'm not asking if you are brought up in a Christian home. I'm not even asking if you go to church. Have you met with Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alan? Well, here's the thing. You heard me say earlier on. Every one of us have sinned. I remember how I used to run from anybody. I, I would not allow anyone to speak to me. But I thank God someone brought me to this house. And for the first time, I heard about a God that loves me. It wasn't about a religion. It wasn't just about going through rituals. It was about knowing there's a God that loves me so much that He was prepared to die in my place, pay the price for the sin I committed. He paid for it. He went to hell. He died. He paid the price and then rose from the dead. And today He's alive, proving God is satisfied the sin's paid for. Why am I running? Why am I trying to stay away from that? And he only does is he's opening his arms and saying, just come home. All is forgiven. And that's you today. No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you think could have turned God off of you, I want you to know I am his voice for you today. Someone made sure you were here. And because of their generosity today, I can say to you, God loves you. He's calling you home. You say, how do I do that? The word says, if you believe with your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. So I want to lead you in that prayer right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll all pray out loud together with you. But if you're saying, that's me, I want to give my life to Jesus. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, wherever you're standing, just raise your hand up right now. Lift your hand today and say, that's me. I want to do this. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. Today, I want to know Jesus. Today, I want to be saved. God, please save me. I want to be born again. Just raise your hand up. There's another hand. Thank you. God bless you. Even if you've never prayed this prayer before, today's your day. Now, if you have prayed before a long time ago, but maybe you backslid, but today you're coming home, you want to rededicate your life, lift your hand as well. We'll pray the same prayer together. Coming home, I want to rededicate my life. Thank you. God bless you. 
Now, if you have not raised your hand, are you absolutely certain that if you died at any moment, you would go straight to heaven? Maybe you say, Pastor Alan, I don't know. I really would like to go to heaven, but I'm not sure. Then please don't go home without praying this prayer. If you're not sure heaven is your home, but you want to make sure, lift your hand now. Let's make sure together. Thank you, Jesus. That's three invitations. One, give your life to Jesus. Two, rededicate your life. Or three, make sure heaven is your home. If you haven't raised your hand yet, but you still want to be included in this prayer, lift your hand now in Jesus' name. There it is. All right, we're going to pray now. If you did raise your hand at any time, please just raise it briefly again. I'd like someone nearby to see where you are. They're just going to come slip over to you and put their hand on your shoulder. That's just to let you know we love you. God loves you. And if someone has their hand on your shoulder, you're welcome to drop your hand down. I'm going to ask everybody, please pray along with me, especially if you raised your hand. Say this out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you. You died for me paid for my sin, and then you rose from the dead. I believe that. Today, I call you Lord. You are my Savior. Right now, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. From this day on, I live for you, to serve you, and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God, my friend. You Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Fulmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Dot com.